You're listening to the Scottsdale Podcast, which features our Sunday sermons. If you would like to learn more about what God is doing in the life of Scottsdale Baptist Church, visit our website at scottsdale.org. Enjoy and be challenged by the word of the Lord. Welcome to Scottsdale. So glad to see all of you here. Those of you who are first-time guests, my name is Phil Ortigo. I serve as a senior pastor here. Great to have you here. Those of you who are watching us online, thank you for taking the opportunity to join us online in, the, in your homes, maybe in a hotel, wherever it is that you are this weekend. We're glad that you're able to join us. I want to thank Jeff Poteet for filling in for me last week. We had an emergency in our family. My wife's uncle passed away in Louisiana, and it was her dad's only sibling. So on Tuesday, we got the word. I gave Jeff my outline. He worked on it and did a wonderful job last week as he uh, filled in. And so I appreciate that. But we headed to Louisiana on, on Tuesday after work, about five o'clock. We drove to Atlanta, got there about 11 o'clock, spent the night with our son and daughter-in-law and our new nine-week-old little grandson, Kai. And uh, of course, he was asleep the whole time. So anyway, we got up early the next morning, drove to Louisiana, uh, got there at Wednesday afternoon. And while we were driving, um, part of the family had called and asked, would I consider speaking at the memorial service? And I said, sure, I would like to. To do that. When I got there on Thursday, met with the family, turned out they, won't, they wanted me to do the entire memorial service. And so I was just wanting to just go and sit with family. So I had to officiate this entire memorial service on Friday. It took the whole day. Saturday morning, we loaded up and drove back to Atlanta, spent the night with Ryan and Katie and my little grandson, Kai. And then we headed from there on Sunday to, with Joe and Leslie and went to church with them. Joe and Leslie left to go on a retreat. And I left Chris in Atlanta babysitting the two kids. I got up early Monday morning, drove straight in, went right to an elders meeting. And I was really happy about the elders meeting because Miss Brenda fixes a meal for us and it was probably going to be the only hot meal I'm going to get all week. And so I ate the meal. And so it was a crazy week. And, and when we left, we didn't leave any groceries in the house. And we usually do that. We try to eat everything before we go on a trip. Well, I got back, came home for lunch, got to let the dog out, you know, those kind of things. And I was hungry and I looked in the pantry and all there was was a can of tuna fish. And I said, yeah, some of you, there you go. All right. And I opened the can of tuna fish, dumped it in a bowl, put a little mayo in there. And I thought, man, I need some bread. So I dug in the pantry and I found this loaf of bread that had two slices in it. I have no idea how old it was. So I took it out, and when I took the bread out, it was kind of firm. It was kind of hard. They had some green discoloration around the edges of it. And I thought, well, that's not that bad. So I took a knife, and I cut the crust off of this bread. And I thought, well, I'm going to toast it anyway, so it could be a little stale. It's going to be fine. And so I put it in the toaster, it ejected, I pulled it out, no crust on the bread, a little green place here and there I peeled off. And so I put the tuna on there and then I thought it needs something else, maybe like a piece of cheese. So I dug in the refrigerator and there was this pack of cheese, it was open. I pulled out the cheese, it wasn't green, but it was really hard around the edges. <laughs> put it on there, stuck it on there, began to eat it. And although it was... It, it, it fulfilled me as far as satisfying my hunger. There was nothing of a culinary delight about that. <laughs> nothing. It was stale. It was crusty. It was moldy. It was hard. It was not very refreshing at all. 
And what I discovered about it is no matter how I tried to doctor it up, it still had no freshness to it. And as I'm eating this thing, I'm thinking about my own life sometimes. You know, sometimes we try to doctor our lives up with all kinds of external things, but we can still feel somewhat of a staleness to our life at times, can't we? You ever feel just kind of crusty? You ever feel just kind of moldy? Maybe you feel a little bit like there's no freshness to my life. I seem to be going through the motions every single day. I'm trying to encourage myself. I'm trying to build myself up. But what do I end up finding is that there's this kind of dryness and staleness in my life. And if you're honest like me, there are times where all of us need to be renewed, don't we? There needs to be a time where we can be refreshed. We feel like we need to be rejuvenated. Something of excitement and freshness is missing from our life. And when we think of the word renew, the definition is very simple. It's the restoration of what had become faded or disintegrated so that it seems like new. It is the restoration of something that has lost its freshness. And when we think about life, there are a lot of things that need to be renewed, aren't there? Sometimes we need to renew things because they have expired. For example, I might need to renew my driver's license. I've learned that from a traffic stop many years ago and that you need to pay attention to that stuff. Or maybe we need to renew our passports. This is very important because you need at least six months of passport left before you can go overseas. Or subscriptions, or how about this? We might renew contracts. These are external things that simply run out of time. But sometimes we need to be renewed because of things that have been neglected. Maybe things that we've lost our vigor and our excitement from. Maybe we need to have some renewal because of wedding vows. Maybe some of our weddings, our marriages, are growing stale. We're getting caught into the boring status quo and there doesn't seem to be any vitality left in our relationship. Or maybe we need to be renewed in family relationships. We take each other for granted and rather than cultivating those deeper relationships, we just kind of coast and then we lose track of our devotion for one another. Or maybe in friendships. Maybe there have been some friendships that have fallen by the wayside and you just need some time of renewal. Or maybe it's a commitment, commitments. And those commitments can be in a lot of areas. And I found this out, that this is also true in my spiritual life. This is true in my spiritual life, that there are times that I can just go through the motions, that I go through life, and I feel like something is missing. Have you ever been there? I mean, honestly, you ever been there? I have. And I find myself there where I need this renewal, this time of refreshing. We're starting a new series today that we're calling Renew, Restoring Our Fresh Walk in Christ. Because if we're honest, every one of us will face times where we become dull, we become stagnant, we can become stale in our walk with Christ. And God knows this. Because he's created us as human beings. He knows our minds. He knows our hearts. He knows the propensity of our fallen nature. And as a result of that, he reminds us through the pages of scripture regularly of areas that need to be renewed. In fact, when you go through the pages of scripture, you'll find that there are four areas that God's word talks about renewal for the child of God. And and this is what we're going to look at for the next four weeks. Next week, we're going to look at how to renew our worship. 
We can all grow stale and cold as we worship God and we lose that sense of awe and excitement in his presence. Then the third week, we're going to look at how to renew a right spirit in us. All of us can get crusty and moldy in our spirit and there needs to be this fresh fullness of the spirit of God in our lives so that we can walk with the vigor and the power that he wants us to have. And then the last week, we're going to talk about how to renew our strength. Because we can all run low on endurance, can't we? We can seem like we're running out of gas, and we just need to be energized afresh. But today, we're going to start where it needs to begin. If we're going to talk about renewal, we have to begin at this first point. Because once we understand this first point, then it takes us to fulfill the renewal of the other ones. And today we're going to go to a very familiar passage. We're going to look at two verses today. And this is a passage that you know well. It's a passage where the Apostle Paul is writing to the Romans. And it's in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So if you have your Bibles, your devices, turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We're going to look at this passage today where the Apostle Paul is speaking to a group of Christians in Rome. Now remember, Rome was the center of the Roman Empire. Rome was the place of the central area of the Roman government. Nero was there. But not only that, in Rome, it was one of the most decadent, immoral, ungodly, pagan places on the planet. And he's writing to these believers and warning them about renewing their minds. And the place we begin in this whole thought of renewal has to be the renewal of our minds as believers. And so this is what he says in verses one and two, and then what he's gonna do, he's gonna ask us two questions. He's gonna, he's gonna give us the question, why do we need to renew our minds? And secondly, how do we experience a renewed mind? So that's what we're looking at this morning as we unpack these verses. Here's where he begins. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, to God, which is your spiritual worship. We're going to look at that next week. But today he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. It is your inspired word. It is authoritative. It is inerrant. It is for us today in this moment. And Father, I believe that you desire to speak to us about our minds and that you would help us to understand what you desire for us and how we can be renewed in this area of our life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So two questions he's gonna ask. The first question is this, why do our minds need to be renewed? Why is it that we need to have this process of having this new mindset? Well, he gives us two reasons that our minds need to be renewed. Here's the first one. He says there's a constant pressure from the culture to conform to its values, ideals, and lifestyles. We are living in a culture where it is constantly putting pressure on us to think according to its values, its morals, its ideas, and its lifestyle. 
1951, a man by the name of Solomon Ash conducted one of the most outstanding and still to this day, one of the most powerful examples of how culture wants to influence individuals. He took 123 young men from a college in Pennsylvania and he divided them up into groups of eight to 10. And he told them that we're gonna do an eye exam. And in this eye exam, he had two placards that he presented before them. One placard was a placard with a long line on it. The other placard was a placard with three lines on it. One line the same as this one and two lines shorter than this one. Now, what he was doing was asking them to look at the placards and to determine which of these three lines is the same as this one long line. Now, here's the twist. Of the eight to 10 individuals who were in the group, he pulled all of them together with the exception of one. And he told them, I want you to pick the wrong answer. In fact, I want you to pick the shortest line. And I want everyone in this group, when I ask you, you reply that the same length of this line is the shortest one. But the one that he left out, he told nothing about. And so when he gathered all of them together, he began to ask them one at a time. He began with the group that already knew. And they began to pick the shortest line, the shortest line, went all the way through. And then when he got to the last person that was unaware of what was happening, 85% of the time, he picked the wrong answer, even though he knew it was wrong because of the conformity of the group. And less than 1% of time, when they were asked by themselves, they picked the right answer. And so he interviewed those individuals that picked the wrong answer. He said, why did you do it? He said, because of fear. We didn't want to be left out. And it is the assumption of our culture that the majority must be right. And after he did this, he wrote in a scientific journal. Here are the words he wrote. He says that we have found the tendency to conformity in society so strong that reasonably intelligent young people are willing to call white, black is a matter of concern. It raises questions about our ways of education and about the values that guide our conduct. And he goes on to say that the problem is people will agree to the wrong answer in fear of being left out. And you think about what's happening in our own culture. I want you to think about the inundation of social media, the inundation of cable news, the inundation of the pressure that comes around us and people are speaking clear lies in our culture and yet people are buying into it because of a fear of being canceled or being thought bigoted or closed-minded and they're conforming to the culture. The apostle Paul tells us that this is a danger and I want to tell you, the church is not exempt from this because Francis Schaeffer said this. He says, where the culture is today, the church will be seven years. And he has been exactly right. Think about the modern church in America and how far it has drifted to believe the lies of culture and rejecting the truth of what we know of the word of God. It's happening all around us. And so here's what the apostle Paul says. He gives us a negative command to begin. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Really simple. Because the world wants to squeeze you in its mold, he says, do not be conformed. This is an imperative, it's a command. Do not. 
It means stop doing something that you're already doing. Do not be conformed. The word conformed in the, in the Greek means to be squeezed into a mold, that you're squeezed into the mold of the values, the thoughts, the ideals of culture. And then he says, do not be conformed to this world. The word here, world, in the Greek is not the word cosmos, which means the world. It gives us our, our English word eons, which means culture or present culture. He's saying, this is what you are not to do. You are not to allow the world to squeeze you into its thought and its patterns of what's important in life. I love what Kevin DeYoung writes about worldliness. He says, worldliness is whatever makes sin look normal and righteousness look strange. Doesn't that sound familiar today? That's what the culture is doing. And I, I love what Jerry Bridges wrote. He says, this age is characterized by the subtle and relentless pressure that brings to bear upon us to conform to its values and practices. It creeps up on us little by little. What was once unthinkable becomes thinkable, then doable, and finally acceptable. Sin becomes respectable. And so Christians are no more than five to 10 years behind the world in embracing the world's most sinful practices. See, the Apostle Paul knew this because the Christians in Rome were constantly squeezed into this immoral thought of life. And he says, be careful. There's one more thing about this verse. It is in a passive verse, voice, which means it's something that is done to you. This is what the world does to you every day. Every single day that you and I wake up, the world has one goal in mind. Behind it is a sinister plot of the prince and the power of the air who is the devil. And he's constantly wanting to take all of humanity and fit into the values of what the world says. But here is what Paul is really saying. If you take all of this and you put it in the way that it translates, he's saying this, stop allowing this present culture to shape your thinking according to its values, its ideals, and its lifestyles. While it is a passive thing that it's doing to you, you have an active role. Stop allowing it. So the first thing he says, listen, the culture is constantly pressing on you. You've got to make a willful choice to stop allowing the culture to shape your thinking. You see, that's the first reason we need our minds renewed. But here's the second reason, and most people miss this. There is a critical persistence with our fallen minds to have us walk in ignorance. Now, what do I mean by that? Apart from Christ, our minds are fallen by nature. In Christ, we have a redeemed mind, but we still struggle with a fallen nature. While sin is forgiven, the presence of sin is still there. And there's a sinful nature about us. The problem with our mind is not that we need more education. That's the world tells us that. The world says if we just had more education, crime would be less. If we had more education, people wouldn't rob anyone anymore. If we had more education, people wouldn't create destructive elements that could destroy humanity. If we had more education, people would make more common sense of issues in life. None of those is the answer. 
Because the people who are promoting all the things I just said are some of the most educated people in the world. Our colleges are filled with educated people who are teaching this, re, this indoctrination against our young people. The people who create massive weapons of destruction are some of the most educated people in the world. People who are coming up with more schemes of how to rob people are educated people. You see, education coupled with the fallen mind only enhances the sinful nature. That's the problem. And so his thing is this. It's, it's, it's not that the, your, your mind needs more education. Here's what he says, which is really interesting in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. He says, we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Now, what does that mean? The spirit of our minds is kind of an interesting phrase. You only find it mentioned here in all the New Testament. When he's talking about the spirit of your mind, he's not saying that your mind is a computer that can access data and can analyze it and can faithfully translate it to your heart so you can have right responses. That's not what your mind is. Your mind has a mindset. Your mind not only has a view, but it has a point of view. It not only has a perspective, but it has a posture. It not only has an attitude, but it's followed by a specific action. And our minds left to themselves, Paul says they are this in Romans 8, 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. The fallen mind has no desire or concern to please the things of God because your mind is set on the things that you want. Now here's what's interesting. While that's true of the fallen mind, those who are in Christ, even though they have redeemed, we still struggle with the old nature. Here's what he says in Romans 1.28. And since these people did not see fit to acknowledge God, he gave them up to a debased mind to do what they ought not do. Those who keep pressing against the will and the things of God, God turns them over. But for the believer in 1 Peter chapter 13, I'm in chapter one, verses 13 through 14, he says this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed. There's a language again. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He's speaking to believers and he's saying this. Listen, there was a time where your mind was debased. Your time was set against God. But because of the revelation of Jesus and the grace of God in your life, you have been renewed. However, you have a mind that still has a mindset and your mind wants to conform you to the old person, to the old way of thinking, to the old flesh. So we not only have to battle the culture that wants to conform us to its thought, we constantly have to battle the old sinful nature within our mind that wants us to run contrary to the things of God. And we have to do this every day. This happened to me last week when I was driving from Atlanta. I was on the interstate and it's a long drive. And the longer I drive, the more I realize the stupidity of people on the highway. And of course, it's never me, right? It's every, if everybody drove normally like we do, the world would be perfect. 
So I'm going along and I'm driving. There was three lanes. This guy was all the way in the left lane. I'm in the middle lane. There's a big 18 wheeler on my right. This guy just starts pulling in my lane. No blink or anything. He forces me out. I had to slam the brakes. I whipped over to the right lane and I barely missed an 18 wheeler in the backside. And then I'm like, what? And then he gets in the middle lane and he's just going slow. So my reaction is I whipped over behind the truck and I pull up behind him. And when I pulled up behind him, I guess he thought I was getting on his bumper. He rolls the window down and he gives me this very unfriendly sign with one finger. <laughs> Just sticks it out the window. And I, my mind immediately told me what I should do. Right on his bumper, blow the horn and wave back at him the way he waved at you. <laughs> that was my mind. But in the midst of all of that, I had to say, I can't conform to that. And I'm not gonna to conform to that because that's the old man, the dead man. And so I just slowed down and he slowed down too. <laughs> and I pulled over and he pulled over. And he kept doing this and I kept being calm and I thought, well, he's got a New York license plate. So I mean, come on. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. It was New Jersey, but no. But the point is this, here's what Paul is saying. Listen, here's our problem. Stop conforming to the patterns of the world and stop conforming to the natures of your old mind. Because when we do those things, we're going to walk in a mind that's contrary to the mind of Christ. And we're called to live the mind of Christ. And the reason we need our minds renewed is because of our own fallen nature and because of the fallen nature of culture. And we constantly have to battle this every single day. So the reason we renew our minds is because of culture and because of our own mindset. But then he tells us this, how do we experience this renewed mind? The second point is how do we experience the renewed mind? He tells us that there are two things that we need to do to experience a renewed mind. Here's the way he says it. Do not be conformed to this world. Stop allowing yourselves to be conformed by your mind and culture, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. At one point he says, do not be conformed. Do not be squeezed into the mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, let me tell you what he doesn't have in mind here. He's not talking about changing one list of behavior for another list. He's not saying, okay, that bad list that doesn't work, write you a new list. He's not saying get rid of these immoral actions for these moral actions. He's not saying change behavior modification because when you and I try behavior modification, all it proves to us is that we cannot accomplish the list that we have written down. So it means something else has to happen. And here's the two things he says. How do I get renewed in my mind? My mind is renewed by an internal, supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. That's how our minds are renewed. It is an internal, supernatural work of the Spirit of God in me. Although the Apostle Paul doesn't mention the Holy Spirit in this passage, it is clearly what he's talking about. And that means this, the word transformed gives us the English word metamorphosis. And it means that there is a total transformation from the inside out. 
Now, the only time we see this word transformed used in the gospels is with relation to Jesus in Matthew 17 and Mark 9, and it's the transfiguration where Jesus goes on a mountain and he's transfigured and his body externally is changed. But everywhere else in scripture, it is internal. It is a picture of something that happens from the inside out, and it only happens as the Holy Spirit begins to transform our lives. Now, it's a picture of a butterfly. You know what happens? There's a caterpillar, and that caterpillar crawls around on the ground, has all the legs. It has a certain movement. It has certain actions. It has a certain diet. It has a certain mindset. But when that caterpillar goes through metamorphosis, everything about the caterpillar is different. When that caterpillar is, goes through that process, it becomes a butterfly. The movement of that is different. The diet of that is different. The function is totally different. Everything is totally different. And the secret for renewal for you and me is the Holy Spirit doing such an internal work inside of us that he changes us from the inside out. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit of God, you and I will never, ever have a transformed mind. And so it begins by this constant work. The other thing is this, it is a work that keeps going. It's not a work that just happens at the point of conversion. It's a work that happens for the rest of your life. Matter of fact, the key verse for this, and this verse is the key for our vision statement at Scott's Hill. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Paul says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed, there it is again, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Here's what he's saying. When you surrender your life to Christ, immediately there's a transformation from the inside out. Your thinking is different. Your life is different. Your passions are different. Everything about you changes. But it doesn't happen just in a moment. It is for the rest of your life. It's called progressive sanctification. And the goal is you and I would keep being transformed. Why? So that we would be formed into the image of Jesus Christ. And the longer we live, the more and more our lives should be looking like Jesus and less than the world. And this is what he's saying. Just as he says, do not allow yourself to be conformed by the culture or your fallen mind. Allow yourself to be transformed every single day as the Holy Spirit does his work in you. Both of them are in a passive, but both require action on your part and mine. So what does that mean? That means every single day when I get up, I gotta say, Lord, I'm not gonna allow the culture to change me today. I'm not gonna allow my fallen mind to take me in a place that's not the character of Christ, but today I'm gonna join you in your work of transforming my life. I'm going to allow you to change my thinking today. I'm going to allow you to change my passions today. I'm going to allow you to take the situations in my life, no matter how difficult they are, and I'm gonna allow you to make me think, live, and walk like Jesus. That's the picture. That's what he's saying. 
And this is a supernatural work only as you and I allow him to have that in our life. And here's the goal. By the time we get to the end of our life, we'll never reach perfection. We never will. But we should be more and more in the image of Christ. And C.H. Spurgeon says this. I love what he says. He says, what should the end of sanctification look like? He says, if you are renewed by grace and were to meet your old self, I am sure you would be very anxious to get out of his company. I love that. But when I read that, my heart was convicted because here's what came to my mind. Would I really be uncomfortable with my old self? Or would I look at my old self and think, well, you know, it's not really that bad. Yeah, there was a time that that was bad, but according to our culture now and the way things have shifted, that's really not that bad. Or would I be so uncomfortable being around the old me that I either would not want to be there or I would be telling me about Jesus constantly? And that's the picture. One of the reasons I believe that we're not being renewed in our mind is because we're not allowing every single day the Holy Spirit to do his work in me. And so transformation happens as I allow the Spirit of God to form and fashion me every single day to be more like Jesus. Here's the second way that that happens. My mind is renewed by an external revelation of God's word. Now, this is important because the two always go together. The spirit of God and the word of God always work in conjunction with one another. And when we allow the word of God, the revelation of God's word working outwardly in, then the Holy Spirit takes that and works inwardly out. The Holy Spirit does a double work in our life of renewing us. And some people will argue, what comes first? Is it the conviction of the Spirit or is it the Word of God? Or is it the Word of God that comes first and then the Holy Spirit? It doesn't matter. They both happen together. The Holy Spirit will never work in your life apart from the Word of God. Never. Sometimes we ask the Holy Spirit, give me wisdom about this. Well, that's not in line with the Word of God. He's never going to do that for you because he works only in conjunction with the word of God. And when the spirit of God and the word of God come together, there's explosion, there's life, there's transformation, there's renewal. Matter of fact, Paul puts it this way in Titus. He says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, who he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, which is speaking of the gospel. And when the Holy Spirit is bringing a work of renewal in our lives, it does two things. It's me keeping in step with him, but it's also me reading God's word, pouring into God's word, listening to God's word, listening to other people, reading other works about God's word, inundating my mind with the word of God where the Holy Spirit takes the truth of God's objective word and works it into my life and brings renewed mind. 
the work of the Holy Spirit and the word of God are essential for us having a renewed mind. And I wrote this down this week. God's word will keep me from the influences of culture or culture will keep me from the influences of God's word. These two always go together. So if we're gonna live a life of renewal, it begins right here. It begins as we submit ourselves to the Spirit's work and resist the culture that is lying constantly around us. And as we do those things, then God's work will begin to start renewing my thinking and my thinking impacts every aspect of my life. So let me just give you some practical application in closing, okay? Three practical things. Number one, admit your propensity to conform to the world. Let me ask, isn't that true every day? Don't we constantly deal with the barrage of this every day of our lives? That every single day, the world is trying to change our thinking, change our values, change our passions, change our life. We need to recognize we have the propensity because of a fallen nature, although a redeemed heart, to still be enticed by the things of the world. And if I don't think that's a real thing, then I'm gonna fall into a trap. So every single day, I have to understand this is what the world wants to do. Remember the old hymn, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That is the nature of us, even with the redeemed heart because of the cries of culture. And we need to have this understanding that I am susceptible to what the world wants to influence in my mind. So recognize it. Secondly, Join God in his work of transformation by allowing him to make you like Jesus every day. Make a choice every day that, Lord, today, I want you to do the work of sanctification in me. Today, I want you to take all the situations that I'm gonna encounter at work, in the marketplace, in my home, use them that people will see my life being so transformed that I won't look anything like the old person I used to be. That's the mark of transformation. Here's the third thing. Make a commitment to invest in God's word. Make a commitment to read the word of God, to pour into the word of God. I read some statistics this week that was quite alarming that the average Christian only reads the word of God once a week, once a week. That, that, that's incredible, once a week. And then the statistic says this, that the people who read the word of God twice a week, they, they have a 30% chance of overcoming difficulties in their life. If they read it four times a week, they have a 57% chance of overcoming the difficulties in their life. And if they read it five days a week, they have like an 80% chance of being able to walk in truth. I mean, those are stats that demonstrate that when the word of God is in me, the spirit of God begins to work in me in conjunction with his truth. And he changes my mind and how I need to think. We're living in a dangerous culture today. We're constantly, we're bombarded 
We're living in a culture today that says that if Christians don't hold to the beliefs of the culture, then we will be canceled. Ultimately, we will be persecuted and we're gonna find very much hostility towards the church. It's already happening. But the transformation that needs to take place begins with us as we stand on the truth of God's word and the work of his spirit in our lives. Now, if you're a believer here today, you have the Holy Spirit living in you and God is calling you to stop what the world wants to do and pursue what the spirit of God wants to do in you. Let him do it. While it's a, it's a passive voice, it's what he does to you. You allow him to have his way in your life. And if you're not a believer today, my friend, you can never change your mind on your own. It's only through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in you, through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you will be made new. You can have a list and behavior modification, but you will never, ever achieve it. It's only in Christ. And if we're going to experience renewal in our life, it begins right here. Because until I renew my mind, I will never renew worship. Until I renew my mind, I will never renew the right spirit in me. Until I renew my mind, I will never renew endurance and strength to walk for the glory of God. It begins right here. So here's my charge to you, my challenge to you. As you go this week, be sensitive to the Spirit's promptings in your life. Listen to him. Keep in step with him. Let him make you who he wants you to be as a man, as a woman, as a teenager, as a boy, as a girl, for the glory of Christ and for the transformation of your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you care enough about us that you tell us the situations and the struggles of our life and you give us the remedies for them. Father, may we be able to walk in those in such a way that we can see the transformation that you are doing and that we would join you in your work of changing our lives from the inside out, and that this would be an ongoing process that we will be changed into the image of Christ from glory to glory. And in one day, Father, as we stand before you in a glorified body, we will praise you and worship you and never again deal with the struggles of the broken, fallen nature but only seek to honor you with all of our lives. Until then, Father, may we keep in step with your spirit, accompanied by your word that will bring the transformation of our minds that we would know what is your perfect will for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that God uses this message in you to transform you more into the image of Christ. If you have any questions about our church or you want to learn more about Jesus, visit our website at scottshill.org slash next steps. Till next time.